Hello everyone and welcome to the Final Third Podcast, a podcast created to bring you the most candid coverage of Austin FC, FC Dallas, and the Houston Dynamo all in one place. My name is Silvio Prieto and on today's show, myself, co-host Oscar Aguilar, and Javier Adame preview an exciting week four of the MLS where FC Dallas and the Houston Dynamo face off in the first Texas Derby of the season. Alright guys, it's finally here, the first Texas Derby of the year. And I guess, okay, here's my first question for you guys. Do we still call it the Texas Derby or do we call it the original Texas Derby now that we have Austin FC in the mix? Let me be honest, it's the only Texas Derby. Thank you. (laughs) He's right because Austin's going to make the other teams not... It's not gonna, it's not gonna, even going to be a derby at that point. Like, yeah, it's not even going to be a derby. How can it be a derby when it's just going to be one team winning it? So. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much growing like animosity between the uh, the Texas teams that I feel like these might be even bigger games than like the the California teams playing each other at this point. Um, but because some people wear orange all their lives in the Houston suburbs and then they just trade it <laughs> off for green. Couldn't be me. Shots are being fired right now. Hey, being... I can hear you from my way at the bottom. <laughs> we're, we're two points behind. Oh, Chill out. There are two big points. All right. Hey, I'm well, saying Austin wins two games and they think they all that. All right, then. <laughs> moving on. All right, continuing the theme of growing animosity. We have FC Dallas, of course, hosting the Houston Dynamo this Saturday. Houston is coming off of a, I guess you could call it, unjust tie to MLS powerhouse uh, LAFC, while Dallas picked up their first win of the season against the Portland Timbers. Uh, let, how about, let's start on the, or let's start with the Houston side of this derby. Oscar, like I've said, so much animosity, especially on social media growing between the cities. How do you feel about this first Texas Derby of the season? Well, you know, going to Frisco, not Dallas. So that's a a change of scenery. So it's always great to see that. (laughs) But um, it'll be an interesting game for Houston. I think it all comes down. It's going to be played in the midfield. Whoever can dominate the midfield is going to end up winning the game. Um, When you look at FC Dallas's past three games, um, they won and lost games there. Um, and so did Houston. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, Houston is able to fare against um, Dallas's high tempo uh, pressing there uh, from Acosta, uh, Bresson, and all those uh, very talented defensive players. Yeah, for sure. And I think looking or talking a little bit on, on the Dallas side for me, I think they'll likely hold most of the possession given their play style and how they like to go on about games. And I think that kind of plays into Houston's hand because I'm sure they'll approach their game uh, the same as they have for the first three this season. I think they're near the bottom when it comes to the amount of possession they have during the games. They might be actually last last time I checked. I'm not sure. But uh, a huge question at least for Dallas, 
uh, and something that might dictate the flow of the game is how much purpose will Dallas have with their possession? Because if it, if it isn't a possession with a lot of direction and they waste a lot of it, Houston will absolutely take advantage of this. Interesting you mentioned that because I think the game's going to come down to two things. Like I said, Dallas is near the top and pressuring in the mid third. Mm-hmm. And whenever they did, did like have a high volume of press in that section of the field, mm-hmm. they ended up winning very well. Uh, example, Portland against uh, FC Dallas last weekend. Um, but in reality, they don't do a lot of um, of touching per se or touches per se in the in their attacking third. Like you said, they do a lot of passing but they tend to recycle a lot into the defensive third and in the mid third until a gap opens up for like, uh, I would say not a long ball, but a very progressive yeah. pass mm-hmm. towards very uh, lethal players like Pepe and, and O'Brien, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Houston has, uh, I guess, fallen victim to a lot of uh, mental lapses. Um, so I think to counterattack that, uh, Lunkvist uh, is going to have to play deeper than he usually does. Um, he has lost, I believe, a little bit over 60% of one-on-ones. And a lot of the times um, when there's like a goal, goal uh, scoring opportunity against uh, Houston, it has come from that left-back uh, section of the field uh, because Lunkvist is trying to track back too late. So I think Todd Ramos would be smart uh, and wise to just play a little bit deeper with his swing uh, with his fullbacks uh, and make sure that they're able to play out uh, very quickly and avoid that uh, struggle in the mid third against Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you know, trying to uh, studying these two teams going into this weekend, I thought that Houston would probably be a little more conservative off the ball. I don't know if that's fair to say. Uh, especially when it comes to pressing, I think they'll try to pick moments, pick the right moments, you know, to pounce and increase their intensity and try to catch Dallas on their back foot, which they have uh, been caught on their back foot a lot. And it's kind of how they've uh, conceded a lot of a lot of chances to their opponents. So uh, this will be kind of an interesting uh, thing to look at during the game. Speaking a little bit more on how Dallas will start the game and line up, I think Lucci will most likely start the game with, you know, last week's 4-2-3-1 out of possession, 4-3-3 in possession system, uh, because I think it, it worked very well. They got their first one of the season uh, and we'll probably, you know, go with the same thing. I, I think it, it'll work better than if he started the game with the 3-4-3 shape. Um uh, which he has used before because of the defensive stability that it gives Dallas. And I think Dallas will need that against Houston's counter threat on the flanks with their pacey wingers like Moneyball Pasher and Fafinho. <laughs> I love those <laughs> nicknames. Um, but I do think Dallas has some weaknesses that mm-hmm. I don't think we've mentioned previously in the podcast because they haven't become apparent until like three games in when you mm-hmm. see it happen over and over again. And it all comes down to to Gil or Jill. Um, he just hasn't been very uh, good on the one-on-ones, which is where I think Houston is going to thrive the most with Memo, Pasture, and Pika Ul. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think if they exploit him, 
uh, they're going to do at least fairly decent and at least creating some opportunities, right? Uh, the issue is that there are other players that have been excessively above average, like Brisson, and it, it gets difficult on, on how Houston should press, like you mentioned. Um, I don't think they should calm down the press, per se. Against Portland, they pressed the least, and they got punished for it because they couldn't really create chances unless they were against a team that was kind of like tracking back or just not in the in the right shape, right? When they get teams time to regroup, they're not able to really create anything. Uh, and all three other goals have come off some sort of like lax, disorganized defense. So would you say Houston would need to maybe instead of pressing these players that can play out the back really well, like, I mean, all of Dallas's players can play off the back really well and instead try to like maybe cut passing outlets or, or what do you think would be the right solution for uh, F, uh, for Houston going into the game? Honestly, looking at the way Dallas has played their their last three games, and I, I don't I honestly don't have any statistics to back this up, but just watching the games, sure, they seem very secure when building up, but they do make very simple errors positionally and i think houston will benefit from picking the right moments to to increase their intensity um in terms of pressing and i think by doing so they can try to sure you're essentially you're also you know block blocking off a, a like a cutting lane uh, when you are pressing a player, but I've I've seen Dallas scramble, and when they do get pressed, and maybe the first or second option aren't available, they kind of completely crumble, and a mm -hmm. lot of teams have been able to go ahead and 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 you know counter them and take advantage of that that I guess uh, lack of composure when they are pressed. So and and given the fact that Houston does have like you pointed out really good players on the one-on-ones like Pasher and Fafinho. I think they can <laughs> Fafinho, Fafa, but Fafinho, yeah, whatever. Um, I think if you can pick the exact or the correct moments when to press intensely, I think they could easily regain possession, feed the ball to one of their creative wingers and, and, you know, create goal scoring chances that way. Definitely. And I mean, it'll, it'll be both ways because I mean, I hope they start with Quarte up top, like, like we had discussed in the previous podcast. Mm -hmm. um, he's definitely in value, like absolutely like so good that, that he's irreplaceable absolutely. In, in that role. I also do think though, that Pepe should start over Hara again. I agree. Uh, I mean, if you just look at a very simple stuff, let's like think X street, right? Mm-hmm. Requarte and Pepe lead the team on that, like by far, not even close. Um, and I don't really see a reason to put in Hara, just looking at stats at least. Yeah. There's no, like I'm not saying he's bad. Like if Pepe wasn't there, definitely. No, absolutely. Should, yeah. But not over him. No, I think he should, I think Lucci should go with the exact same lineup he started with. Go, I, I also think, you know, starting Tessman and Acosta uh, mm -hmm. will be will be important for Dallas because they can kind of go ahead and take a page out of Portland's playbook and out of possession, try to shut down memo. I think this could be like an interesting mini battle on the pitch uh, to watch and see how maybe Tab or, or Lucci tactically adjust to this. Because I think Houston 
does have a lot of potential when Memo is unlocked. But like have we see, like like we saw with Portland, when he is kind of shut off of the game and isn't able to show his creativity, Houston do like a certain amount of um you know threat going forward. I'm not I'm not sure what the right word would be, but you know, that kind of I don't know. I feel like Memo can sniff out these chances and kind of create something out of nothing. No, definitely. And I mean, I know Dallas should start the same uh, 11. I completely agree with that. Uh, do you think Houston should start the same 11? Because I'm honestly torn. Do you start a Ruti? Do you start um, um, uh, RDP? Or do, do you try to switch something up? Because um, like compared to Austin, right? We talked about it last last week. Mm-hmm. Or for the for the last week's pre uh recap, yeah, Austin would constantly like drop um tempo like after the 60th minute mark, right? Yeah, and you don't necessarily see that from all of Houston, but you see that from some of Houston's key players. Uh, Memo after the 60th minute, completely different player. He's just not as I would say dynamic or 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 fluid as he could be because mm-hmm. of that. Um. Um, I guess ability to maintain uh, that same production. Yeah. But when you look at Pasher, it's kind of similar as well. That's um, true. Yeah. You, you see him, I would say, dominate the game the first half and even starting the second half. But again, he drops back down. And I don't think the Houston has like the depth um, to really swapped them out in the last 20 minutes like we saw against LA LAFC mm-hmm. where he put it where Tal Ramos put in sit in and he really tried to just hold on to that one point and I mean does Quintero even get a few minutes he hasn't been looking well and you know some fans question Tal Ramos for not starting him uh, after that first game and even during that first game but the minutes he's had I honestly feel like he should have just stayed on the bench yeah this is kind of a uh, uh, you bring up a very interesting point when it comes uh, you know tactically because we have seen Houston out of possession press in a four four two shape with Uruti and Memo up top, and given how Dallas will probably not line up, they will probably be they will probably cut off a lot of passing lanes to Tessman and Acosta. I, I think. And I'm I'm not sure because we haven't seen this much from Quintero, and I'm maybe I'm not sure if he's as comfortable as Uruti pressing in that system, and I think, um, or out of possession in that system, and I think I would give the nod to Uruti just because he has a little bit more, he's a little more familiar with what Ramos wants, and I do think that this game might come down to tactical adjustments between the two managers. So I would give the nod to Uruti then, but I think if the game opens up a little, is a little more back and forth, right? Because, you know, it is a derby after all and things and, and you know, game plans kind of go out the window uh, as intensity and emotions increase in games sometimes. So if it does become a little bit more back, back and forth game, uh, I could see, I wouldn't fault Ramos for, for subbing out Uruti. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, 
I, I think you would want to keep a Ruti there because when you are when you when I've seen Houston press in that four four two, they do a fairly good job of, you know, limiting the opponent's build up to their own third, which could force Dallas to to try to ping long balls, which I think isn't isn't uh to their won't won't set them up for success, right? What will what will let Dallas break the game open is getting the ball to their creative players like Ricuarte. But if Houston do a good job of limiting their buildup to the third, Dallas kind of becomes a little impatient with the ball and then tries to uh tries to overcompensate vertically for the lack of buildup. So I, I, I think starting a Ruti and limiting Dallas to their own third in terms of buildup could could help could help Houston. I think the only concern I would have with that is um, Dallas kind of sorry Houston overextending a little bit too much. Mm. I I maybe they they pick Uruti to be that man to be like the high tempo press for them, mm-hmm. but Memo can't press. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't waste them pressing, right? Uh, Joe Corona, he's all right, but again, I wouldn't waste them pressing because. He's irreplaceable offensively. Mm-hmm. We don't have anyone to switch him out, right? Vera, no problem, but I would prefer him to play deeper, kind of like um, how he did against LAFC. Um, and that really helped, I guess, some of the defensive issues um, the back four have had, where, like we said, they, they either shift too much to the left and they leave Valentin kind of uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. on the one on one for like uh, trying to cut out a pass. Um, I think a solution, though, that, that you kind of mentioned, since they shouldn't be allowing uh, them to go into like the attacking third uh, very easily, might be to start set in over over another player. Mm. Uh, which player? I'm not entirely sure, but like kind of like what Todd Ramos did against LAFC. If you want to shut down a team that has, I would say, you know, like superior offensive quality, uh, pairing Vera and set in worked really well against mm-hmm. LAFC those last few minutes. Yeah, that could that could definitely, you know, give Houston uh, a bit of an edge there. Uh, maybe I misspoke a little bit. Uh, maybe I didn't mean press. What what I kind of meant is maybe having you know Memo and and Aruti kind of, I guess you could call Manmark Tespin and Acosta, because then you are you are kind of just leaving the ball to the the center backs, who I would rather give them the ball than Tespin and Acosta to turn there, to be able to turn and maybe find Ricuarte. So. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely, right. yes. I mean, now that you mentioned it, I mm-hmm. definitely think Tesman should be uh, targeted if he, if he does start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, okay, him and Acosta played a very similar role, right? Yeah, yeah. But they're, I mean, I get Tesman's like the, the little prodigy from the academy and such. Yeah. But at least in this season, uh, Acosta has been very solid. Um, not only defensively, but on the ball. Mm-hmm. Where Tessman, I mean, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. And I think if you press him, absolutely, um, uh, press him consistently, he's going to make the mistakes out of that midfield. Right. I don't think Ricuarte, I mean, we should mark Ricuarte, live in his spaces, but Ricuarte can get out of pressure. No yeah, problem. Yeah, right? absolutely. I don't think Tessman's going to be able to do that. So <laughs> definitely something Houston should look out for. Yeah, and that, absolutely. And that kind of comes back to the point I try to make about, you know, picking the moments where you want to maybe press 
or um, increase your intensity because let's do say Acosta gets the ball in um in the middle of the pitch if you do press him he's more likely to get out of that situation and have some space going forward to feed Requarte um then then Tessman like you've like you've noted he has crumbled under pressure a lot and he's not as agile on the ball and able to you know find quick solutions to pressing to pressing problems uh from other teams so I, I I absolutely agree with that. And also speaking on Requarte, you know I I think Houston should definitely uh try to nullify his ability in the like in those dangerous areas as a, in like that enganche area that he's probably going to occupy. But if he drops a little deeper, I honestly wouldn't uh I wouldn't track a player with Requarte if he goes a little deeper right if, if like we've seen it before when Dallas has issues building up they do drop Requarte at times I wouldn't be surprised if the way Houston line line up and gives Dallas problems building up but if Requarte drops a little deeper I think that's a definite plus for the Dynamo showing them that they're doing something right because you're getting one of their most dangerous players uh out of you know goal scoring areas for sure, I think defensively that would be key for Houston, mm-hmm. and I, I mean going, I guess, and shifting into offensively for for Houston as well. Um, I think the key would be to really avoid the mid third, specifically like the center of the field. Um, if you look at Dallas's like pressing stats, they're top of the league not because of a single player, right? That like, I mean, Acosta is good, but he's not carrying the team. You see Obriano, which I think has been overlooked defensively all season he he has won, he has won back the second most balls for for dallas in the first three games you have hara when he plays he he drops deep into the mid third to pressure to pair with acosta obrian if you start testing you have another good player um off the ball so i mean if i'm houston i avoid that completely right you probably play through the wings with your, I would say two strongest assets, which would mm-hmm. be Pika Olden Pasher. You you make uh, you make uh, Rodriguez push up, uh, Corona maybe not as much, but you still have him as an outlet up there. How does Dallas respond to that if that happens? If they just completely, I would say you know, ignore their strong suit in the middle and either try to play like long balls down the wing or just try to dribble it out there. I think that will cause Dallas some issues because I feel like they have struggled out wide the most. Um, I think if Houston attack the flanks, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a more maybe defensive Dallas. I wouldn't be surprised if they do drop their their wingers a little deeper. Like you have noticed that uh, or like you've mentioned, Obreon is like one of the the better recovering players for Dallas. Um, but I'm not sure. That's a great question. I honestly don't have anything right now off the top of my head on how Dallas could uh, counteract that. Um, maybe somehow like providing a supporting defensive option with their with Tessman and Acosta playing kind of those DM roles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing they can do defensively is just keep is is just to force those wingers not to be able to maybe cut inside and out wide because at times we have seen them, we have seen Houston not be as productive with their crossing as they could be. So maybe that could be 
that could be a, a an option for Dallas defensively. But honestly, I, I don't think I could give you, uh, uh, I don't know, like a convincing or concrete answer right now on, on that. I guess we just have to see how the how the game you know develops and and uh, and yeah, and and just kind of see what happens there. Definitely, I mean, you you mentioned it. Efficiency for Houston is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all of their goals have been inside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the goals have been relatively like one on one. Like not necessarily, but yeah, there was like Pasher had like a tap in. Um, Oruti's goal, he had one center back and the goalkeeper in front of him. Memo was one on one against the goalkeeper. Three goals of the year, right? I don't see why we waste so so much possession with you know shooting outside the box. Yeah, like it hasn't happened this year. Uh, we might get a goal, but like, is that goal worth it versus going with what works for us? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if we're gonna do crosses, we talked about it last podcast. Ground. Yep. Keep it on the ground. Like yep. you know what I mean? Yep. I don't think any team is. I I can only think of one goal, which which if if I'm remembering correctly, two goals. That that happened from headers from games I've watched across the MLS, uh, and and it's just not productive to be yeah. playing like that. But at the same time, does Todd Ramos like? I wouldn't. I'm sure he knows, but does he prefer to keep playing this way just because of the makeup of the team? Maybe. I, I just don't think it's going to get him very far against a team like Dallas. Yeah, uh, it, I think it is. I think it's important to note. I think last game Dallas were pretty impressive, air like in aerial duels defensively. I think they really didn't give uh, many of them up. I know Martinez was, uh, uh, you know, specifically good at, at clearing a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, you know, crosses going into the box. So I don't think that's to Houston's, you know, benefit. Um, and it's not really setting them up for success against, like you said, a team like Dallas. I think they are way better off trying to find ways to, to isolate their, you know, their, their rapid wingers against the Dallas fullbacks. I think that's where, that's where Dynamo win the game by setting those, those two players, those wingers up in one-on-one situations to show their quality. All I'm saying is... Uh, forever orange uh, we better win um no it's it's definitely shaping up to be a spicy game i'm telling you like i'm seeing the animosity i think one of the dallas players just straight up said like i just don't like the city or something like that on twitter there's like a quote so like it's it's definitely gonna be I, i wouldn't be surprised if it becomes like a super physical match um, um, I'm ready for like a brawl. <laughs> I honestly this, would, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, what's up, Javi? There's always been that like animosity between the cities, like yeah. of Texas, like whether it be in baseball or football, or just in general. Like even if you're not into the sport, you just don't like. <laughs> for some reason, you just don't like. If you're from Houston, you just don't like Dallas, and if you're from Dallas, you just think Houston's just trash. And <laughs> absolutely, yeah, notice how he not, notice how Javi. Uh, but, uh, you know, he doesn't like Dallas. The awesome well, I'm tired. What? You said when you said. What was that? that oh, you got to speak a little louder. Now I'm looking forward to the Houston, the Houston Dynamo versus Austin FC for the pod content. Easy win. 
No problem. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey. That's you hear that? Be a Everyone real good clip one. that. Clip what he just said. Easy <laughs> one? Yo. Okay, well, uh, you know, have I, you beat Austin? Just make him cross all day. That's it. I can't yeah. wait to make that like a soundbite and like every and every time something goes against Houston, just play it with that. That's gonna that'd be amazing. But remember, uh, he said easy win. Hey, I'll put easy put win. ten bucks on it right now. I don't know about that. I gotta retire. <laughs> the, <okay>. oh, <laughs> all right, that's well, like twenty. That's like twenty minutes of work. <laughs> all right, uh, boys. Boys, before we move on to Austin FC, I'm going to ask y'all, what are y'all's scoreline predictions for the Texas Derby on Saturday? I'll let Javi go first since he's a traitor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right, go ahead, um, my, my prediction is I think it's going to be – I'm thinking FC Dallas is going to win, take the win, and I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a, th- a 3 1 win. 3 Surprise 1. Pikachu face. Surprise 3 1 win. Yeah. 3 1 from Dallas. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. I'm Oscar. sorry. Do you want my, my like hopeful answer or my realistic answer? I want no, mix, your real answer. Mix, no, you'd... Mix, mix them together. Get, just What's on your chest? Just get it off your chest. I think they tie 1 1. 1 1. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. They Houston's gonna score a goal. My boy Moneyball Pasher. Uh-huh. You know? He's on he's on he's gonna score a goal. And then someone's gonna like fall asleep. Mm. I don't know who. Someone will. And then Dallas is gonna tie it right back. And then we're just gonna have Tal Ramos do his uh, little magic. We're gonna close down. We're gonna look for the point again. We're gonna be the draw team this year. I Looking at these two teams played so far in the season, I think stylistically it benefits Houston a little bit. And I think Houston take this home 2-1. That's my that's my oh. sincere that's my sincere prediction. this is coming from the FC Dallas. Game. Okay, I'm not an FC Dallas fan. I just watch a lot of this FC is coming Dallas. From- <laughs> but yes, I've I've watched them play. And I think, and there's also kind of a interesting dynamic here because they, you know how team, it's not always, okay, so Houston play the Timbers, right? Houston loses to the Timbers. Dallas play Timbers. They beat Timbers. So following that trend or pattern, Dallas should beat. Houston, but and and this is this has no like statistics or any like anything behind it, but it's never it's never like that, you know. It's always like it seems to be always like paper scissors rock when it comes to soccer and teams, just because of the stylistic matchups that you have. So technically, you would say okay, Houston lost to the Timbers, Dallas beat the Timbers, so Dallas should be Houston. But it's not like that, and I and I I really do think that Fafa slash you know AKA Fafino and Moneyball Pasher are really gonna put a lot of stress on those Dallas fullbacks that sometimes just I think aren't sound defensively. Um, maybe maybe the four two three one shape because most of what I've what what we've watched of Dallas has been in that three four three, but. 
I, even in a four-two-three-one shape, I don't know, but I can just see those those Houston wingers having a field day. I, I could be wrong, but that's just my. I agree. That's just kind of my my, you know, prediction. You know, kind of taking what they've done so far so far in the season up to this point, and watching both of the teams play against 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 other opponents. I kind of do resemble uh, parts of what uh, or how these these teams play, if that makes sense. I mean, Pastor on his best day, he's like the MLS Messi. So I completely agree. <laughs> no, 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 no buts for me there. Yeah. But you forgot the most important thing. So I'm a little uh-huh. pointing it in you. Uh, Who's going to have the most drip? Of course. Lucci or Top Bravo? I think Lucci, dude. Lucci. I mean, look, I love, I love, I love Top Bravo. So I, I think he's a great manager. But, you know, he just got, he just has the, that Carl's, the car salesman like drip to him. And that's just not Call it, Chief. Yeah, like he's got the dad drip. Like, all right, I get it. Your flares, your little orange suit or your your orange tie. That's cool. But like, that's just not drippy enough. You know, I, I think Lucci, I think Lucci out drips, out drips Todd uh, this, think, this weekend. I think he's going to prove you wrong. I think he's going to prove you wrong. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them just go with tracksuits at this point. Lucci trying to keep, you know, like the superstition. I got my first one with the, with the tracksuit on or the. Or the training, uh, the training, sweats on, and you know I think Tob has used his like training sweats or training suit for most of the most of the season so far. So wouldn't be surprised if they they go with that. Whoever has the tightest pants wins. <laughs> That's on the Oscar scale. Tightest pants wins. All right, all right, but you know, quick. Just a quick note. I, th- I know we keep saying that before we move on to Dallas or to Austin, but they have 41 all-time MLS meetings. There's been 14 Dallas wins, 13 Houston wins, and 14 draws. So I don't know. You know, the paper We're scissors. We're going to make a 14, hey, 14, I, I don't 14. know. All I'm saying is the paper, scissors, rock theory might, might, you know, kind of have something behind it. I don't know. But anyways, that's definitely hey, going to be a, but no, it's definitely going to, I think I'm, this is the game that I'm most excited for so far this season. I can't wait to watch this game. It's going to be so, so good. Cause it's, I mean, it's always fun watching derbies. Um, but after you follow teams so closely and then have them match up, I, I think it's always fun. For and sure. then isn't this right? Isn't this right after the uh, the Barcelona game? Uh, yes, it is. So, yes, it is. Barcelona uh, Atletico. So, um, it's gonna so, be a soccer field. Oh, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. All right, let's move on to Sporting KC versus Austin FC. Austin FC is going into Week Four of the MLS in fourth place of the Western Conference. Which of course has fans buzzing, but they are going up against a, uh, a Sporting KC team that is looking to bounce back from their three-one loss to Salt Lake last weekend. Javi, question: Can Los Verdes extend their win streak on Sunday? They can. They can. It's just depending on whether they can fix their mistakes. Um, some of the constant mistakes that I keep seeing. Uh, in their past, in the past couple of games, um, it just depends. It, de- I think, I think, uh, what's gonna 
be a big test for them in this game is how well they can hold their hold their defensive shape and when when they lose the ball and how well they can stick to what they do because i think one of the big things i saw last game um was when they went up and minnesota in the second half had come out and they had put numbers up on they had they had moved up their higher line of engagement on the defense and the midfield and attack their defenders were sitting almost at the half line so they almost had all their players on the austin's half um giving austin you know the space in behind mm-hmm. laying them laying them run behind them but it just seemed like austin was just so eager to use that space which caused them to move away from their play. So I think this will be a tough game because after looking at Sporting Casey's results, yeah, the results are on decline right now. Um, they've beaten New York Red Bulls, a New York Red Bulls that sits, I think, fourth right mm-hmm. now. Or uh, they sit mid-table yeah. in, the, in the East Conference. Um, they've beaten them. They tied against Orlando right now, who sits third in the East, and it is lost to a real a, a real salt real salt lake team um, that's undefeated right now. Technically, they one of the wins was against Sporting KC, but they haven't lost yet, and they're they're near the top of the table in the West. So, I mean, these are good opponents that they're playing, um, and I just I think Sporting KC has the ability to exploit a lot of the space that will be behind Austin when Austin, you know, have that high line of engagement. Um so it's 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 gonna it's gonna it's gonna be tough. I just I hope what I hope I don't see and what I hope I see is I hope I see Austin make a lot less of the mistakes that are you know simple mistakes as you as you were saying in the your preview i i i see a lot of simple mistakes that austin makes whether it be um you know just just trying to force the ball too much for, forcing the ball behind you know trying to play the over the top ball win you don't have to do that you know just keep keep be patient you know let 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 them chase you know let them come after you let them follow the ball you know that that the, there will be a, a miscommunication on their part, on Sporting KC's part, mm-hmm. on the defense's part. Just wait for that moment to happen. Just keep moving the ball around. There's no need to try to force anything. Absolutely. I just I I want to see less of that. I want to see less of forcing, trying to force the ball because I think there's too many times where they do that, and then they give the ball up too easily, and yep. then mm-hmm. whether it can result in a counter or whether it or if they're down like they were last week it results on the on the opponent getting a possession and holding the ball so main thing is i want to i i, I want to see a better performance this week i think last week's performance it was a, it was a grind it was a, it was a hard fought win but it could have it could have easily been a tie or they could have easily lost there are many chances that that um, minnesota had that austin could have been down but yeah i, I want to see a more convincing performance this this week against a good sporting KC, uh, sporting Kansas City side. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely. I agree that last weekend, I would argue, was one of their worst performances so far this season. I don't know if you agree with that, Javi. Yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, it was, and it was mostly because, as like I said, because they have they had. It seemed like in the second half, and especially when they had taken out, um, Dom, uh, Cecilio Dominguez and mm-hmm. Fagundes, it seemed. And it, uh, and they might not have even mean to have done it intentionally, but it just seemed like the decision making was just let's play it four, let's play four. We gotta play it quick. Yeah. We gotta play. You know, we know there's that space there. Let's try to exploit that. And granted, there were opportunities where they did play the ball behind. You know, behind that line, and there were, and Gallagher had chances one on one, or Poston had chances one on one. It went right, and it it just it. It just went right to the goalkeeper or went wide. Um, but more often than not, it just seemed like they overshot the ball. It was being way – it got way overplayed or it got intercepted, and then Kansas City got the ball back and, and they are able to hold it. I just hope – it. I hope they don't do that. I, I, I need – we know that they play well when they play, you know, possession, when they just keep just keep moving the ball around. There's no – there's no re- you 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 will tire your opponent in doing so by just having them chase the ball, um, but yeah, it's um I, it was not a good performance last week. It just it was very nerve wracking, and I I I I I didn't like watching it because I know they could play better. Yeah, and when you know your team can play better, um, and they're not playing the way they can play, it's um, it's 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 not a good feeling. But I'm saying they were it was. It was a hard fought win. It it was a good test of their defense um, to see, you know, could they be could they hold on to everything that Minnesota was giving giving them? Because even though you know Minnesota hasn't put up a lot of shots on target, they they still create the chances. They create a lot of the chances, and there's no reason to try to, you know, uh, how you say like push like keep pushing that like try to. Keep laying and take the shots. Just hold the ball. If you hold the ball, you decrease the number of shots that they have. Yeah, but um, absolutely, I agree with that. And quickly before kind of talking about uh, their ma- their specific matchup with Sporting KC, I-, I do want to add to that point where sure you were giving space in behind, and obviously we can't fault the team too much for trying to exploit uh, the space given to them, but obviously it wasn't working. Number one, right. It wasn't working. You're giving, uh, you're giving Minnesota the ball back to create more scoring opportunities, and that's happening because just it's not as simple. And I feel like people make it out to be just throw bodies in front of the ball, like two lines of five, and just defend. It's not that simple. And maybe people see it as, um, you know, killing football. And even though I am kind of a, a possession football fan and I like to see with teams of possession, there's a lot of work that goes into a system of defending behind the ball. And some teams just aren't cut out for it. Number one, they don't practice it systematically um, during training. So they don't know how to shift depending on where the ball is relative to other to, to players on the pitch. That's number one. And two, if you're not used to training that way, players just don't well first when it comes to fitness they just they just get tired getting behind a ball and Austin doesn't and obviously Austin does not practice that Austin has been you know gassed like we've noticed 65 minutes into games 
And I think you're just kind of accelerating that process, just having them chase a ball, sitting 10 men behind the ball. And two, they just don't have the players that are defensively, they don't have the defensive profiles to be able to concentrate that long behind the ball out of possession. Like Los Verdes, Mm -hmm. they continue to be their best with the ball at their feet. You know, like we look at Wolf's side and they're near the top of the league in terms of possession. And it's so obvious that when you watch them play, they're comfortable controlling the game through their precise passing. And now kind of going into Sporting KC here really quick, Javi. Um, on the other hand, Sporting KC's possession is like near the bottom of the league. And they, they are more organized when playing out of possession. So there's kind of a, a play, like a clash of play styles here. And honestly, I think this sets up on Austin for success. Uh to hold the ball because if they don't number one i don't think that they have the players to be able to to number one counter and number and number two hold off a clean sheet the whole game out of possession and and even in possession i get specifically for this game kansas city is going to be a a tricky team to break down yeah um oh i'm sorry oh so you go ahead i have Oh, I was just going to say I, I agreed there. I think this is going to be a pretty, I don't want to say easy win, but of the three matchups, this is definitely the best one for for Austin. And that's because of the way Sporting Kansas, uh, I guess, handles themselves defensively. They press significantly less than LAFC. They press significantly less than Colorado and, and Minnesota. They also, like you mentioned on the ball, low possession right and when they do have the ball they tend to go wide with their with their attacks uh kind of exploiting the wings but it usually doesn't lead to much um they have a a pretty bad xg one per game for three games um their passing tends to be pretty um i wouldn't say progressive they recycle the ball a lot i think it all comes down to austin um, utilizing ring a little bit differently. Last game, they were they had him back, right? They had him drop between the center backs. I don't think against this team, it's, I would say, in their best interest. I think it would definitely, I would say, pretty much secure a win for Austin, you know, excluding any mental laps. But if they are able to use ring more offensively, um, hopefully Gallagher, if he starts, um, I do think Austin's going to have at least significantly more chances and a more comfortable game than they did against Minnesota. But I did have a question for you, Javi. Yes. I don't know if you saw, but Wolf basically praised Hosen midweek. He likes how he plays. We talked about it last week. He likes how he drops deep, how he's like that target man that I wouldn't say Gallagher can't do. He could obviously, I think Silvio said it pretty well. It's easier to learn how to do that than to be like, I guess, very creative and dynamic in the final third but who do you think he starts um given what he said oh well that's easy now if he said that then he's probably more than likely gonna gonna start with hosen um but i and i wouldn't fault him for it maybe he's just more maybe he's comfortable and he suits the kind of style that wolf wants in the player like that um because like you said like you pointed out last episode, that he does drop a lot, so he offers that extra option for passing um, to the players, to the midfielders, or for the wingers. Um, 
So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he gets a start. Um, but going back to the uh, Alex Alex Ring thing and kind of talking about you know playing him a little differently than the last game, I do think that because of the probably the possibility that Austin will be having the ball a lot, they won't be pressed as much, which will have which will let let it be more easier for them to come up the field with the ball in possession and i think in doing so um they're gonna be holding that higher line of engagement kind of like how we saw with what minnesota did with with austin last week it's gonna be kind of i feel like it's gonna be that high where the two center backs will be kind of near the halfway line and then ring will kind of be in front of them and he'll just be moving like side to side being that guy the like the 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 guy that if they need an outlet, he'll be there in the back to so they can distribute to him, and then he'll find the next pass. He'll look up and he'll see, okay, where I can switch the field, or I can try to play over the over the top on where the side I am. Uh, but I think he will be a, a bigger factor in the offense just because of how much possession it seems that they're gonna have this game. But um, and this and this will bring up another test for them. Um, another thing that I think that is uh, something that they haven't that I haven't feel like I've seen from Austin this season, and it's their what can they do when they get the ball in the final third? You know, we see them pass the ball, move around, and they cross it, but can they? I feel like they haven't been as clinical in the chances that they had. I certainly didn't seem like it last week when they had their chances; they didn't make the best of them. Um, so I'm hoping to see, we you know, I'm hoping that they can put those problems to the side of this game and hopefully they can do something a little better. That's why I was kind of hoping that they weren't going to play Hosen and kind of play Gallagher, but I know that Hosen's the kind of striker that, you know, will come down, uh, will come, you know, to this kind of center of the field, ask for the ball, you know, be that extra option, not play so, you know, on the 18-yard box and just wait for the ball to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I think this will be a test and see how how they move the ball in that final third. You know, can they can they not be predictable? Can they be can they switch up how they're making their runs? Can they switch up, you know, how their attack's gonna be? They, and 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 they need to not force it. You know, that just just because I'm saying that you need to be more creative doesn't mean you have to force balls. It 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 can just be the the runs being made. And 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 something simple like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, going for you know, going for the hail mary or going for the over the top ball, you know, and with the overlap overlapping wing back, because that's probably what it'll be what we'll be seeing is the wing backs will or the fullbacks will be pushing up high. So then your last line of engagement will probably be ring who I trust, you know, to be that first you know, mm-hmm. to be that guy right there, to be, you know, to be mm-hmm. spotting out, okay, who is the, who is the opponent? Who are they looking to pass? And I'm going to get there when they, before the ball even gets to that point. Um, and then behind him will be the two center backs. But I just think, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm always, I always am interested to see how the, the attack gets, how a team that's so possession heavy, how, how they can move, when they get to that final third, because 
it's 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 hard because it's it, you put a lot of players into almost like a fourth of the field, almost a yeah. a, a, almost a third, but really. The the more important part is that last part, the fourth part, where you're, it goes from the eighteen yard box and you're going sideline to sideline. How can they move? How 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 are they how are they going to be creating space for each other? So I think it, that's it, something like all three teams have struggled with, like extensively. But question for you, since you mentioned it, I mean, if they have the ball, right, they're all yeah. going to be pushed up, like you mentioned. Do you push up the wingbacks and overextend again, which didn't prove to be that fruitful? Um, I would say maybe not. But even let's say they do, and they, they kind of revert back to that crossing game they were doing. Uh, I would hope a lot more comes through Fagundes, who's, uh, I, would, I would say, a little bit more composed and I would say efficient. But what, what role do you see Hosen having when they're like in that final third? If he, I mean, if he's not a target man, he's up there. Whenever he's been up there, he's really been a target man, like more for like a header cross. He, he's not, ex- I wouldn't say he's gifted in terms of height or like just like attacking threat and aerially. What would you prefer he do to, I guess, help the team if that's the case, if they're really all like compressed up front? Yeah, so I think one of the... And to answer to answer your first question is whether I whether I think the fullbacks should push or here I I I'll answer it by kind of explaining how Dominguez will likes to play, which is he likes to kind of go center, like like move more to the inside. Kind of he doesn't like being with his back to the sideline, so there will be that space to exploit. So I I do think the full the the at least the left one will push up much farther than Lima does, even though Lima does push up a lot. And he's actually really, he actually does, I think, pretty well when he does push up. Um, But I think what they need to change when the fullback does push up and does get the ball is, and it's, I guess, I don't know if it, it might be a long shot to guess it, to hope that they do this, but you know, not always go for the cross. You know, why, why, why is it that? And it seems like it's I I see it a lot in this league. Is it's like they put a a high number of crosses and they hope. Oh, let's hope that a ball just falls. You know, a, a deflection will fall out to the feet of one of our guys and it'll take an awkward hit, and then it'll we can take a shot and it'll go into the goal. And I guess they're hoping that happens with the number of volume that the crosses that they put in. But what I hope Austin does is when the fullbacks get the ball and it, they're going to get it when either from Dominguez or they're going to be getting it from the midfield because Dominguez will be pulling that defender up when he comes inside and comes short. And the fullback will kind of exploit that space. When they do get it, you know, don't always, don't always think, oh, let me cross it in. Let me... Stop, stop the ball, stop the dribble, whether it be at the end, at the end of the field, at kind of the touchline, or pull it back and come or and, and pass it back. And then try to find try to try to find it, try to make it find its way to the middle without having to cross. You know, because you'll pull, you're gonna pull the extra guy. The the fullback will pull the extra player from the the midfield, someone who's tracking him. He's gonna pull him with him when he makes the run. 
if it's not the attacker that he's bringing that he's going to be matched up against, it's going to be a center back if he, if he's that quick. And then once you pull the center back, now you have a man advantage in the box. But it doesn't mean you have to cross it. You can always short pass it and then make it and just have that ball slowly work its way across the box until it reaches the other side where either the other fullback will be or the forward will be. And then that, I think at that point, I think that's where Hosen role is. He's going to have to figure out, he's going to have to have that instinct. Okay, where, where is the space that, where is the space that will be created when the fullbacks run towards, you know, towards the goal rather than just getting to the end of the field and crossing it run inwards. Once you get to that point, run in. And then once you draw someone, pass it. Whether it's Dominguez and then Dominguez will draw someone, then pass it again. You can't see what I'm saying. Like it doesn't always have to like cross it and then give up give up possession and then they get it back and then where they clear it and then you just start from square one. Yeah. Try to try to work, you know, try to work the ball into the middle with short passes. It doesn't always have to be a long, you know, a long cross, you know. And and what I think Hosen could do is Hosen needs to this is this is where Hosen's gonna be able is gonna be tested to where does he have that IQ, that soccer IQ to figure out, okay, where 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 do I need to be next? Where do I think the ball's gonna be next when it gets when it's being passed across inside the box? If the fullback comes in and he draws someone, Dominguez gets open. Okay, but now Dominguez is covered and he's gonna draw someone. Where do I need to be next? Do I need to be at the top of the box? Do I need to be make, making a run towards a goal? Or should I stay back and stay at the top of the box where it, where it probably will be open because everyone's going to be running towards the goal to try to block, shield, or something like that? You know, always look, always don't, don't, they need to not be so, you know, always think, okay, is, there, is there an extra guy there? And I think, I think that's where Holzen's role is going to be key is he, he needs to have that instinct of where the next space will where the next space is going to be created for him to exploit so yes and i think he can do that while also being able to drop in when you know the play gets stagnant you know being able to draw defenders being able to pull them up with him Uh, but i think it's something that all that him and dominguez both do they both like coming short you know when when the play gets kind of stagnant and they'll draw defenders and they'll and they'll pull them up with them. And at that point, there's going to be the runs being made by either the fullbacks or if Hosen comes short, it will be Dominguez making the run behind them. But then when they make those, when those passes are created, when they're, when they're being distributed over the top, they need to be more accurate. I feel like I've seen too many times where they try to give those balls and they're just way off. Whether it's from Ring or from Fagundes, it just seems like, they're they're not they're not they're not they're not accurate um so yeah i'm sorry i just wanted a huge spill right there that's really no, you're good. no you're good <laughs> javi is against the cross i fully endorse thank you <laughs> and i kind of want to bring up kind of i guess the last point here before we start winding or, or start you know ending the pod here um going back to kansas city pressing uh, it looks statistically to me i guess it looks like they have maybe one of the more efficient pressing systems but just in one area of the pitch because they do regain possession through their press about 32 percent of the time 
Um, but interestingly, their press is kind of focused on winning the ball back in the middle third of the pitch. I think they've pressed uh, pressed that area 217 times compared to 140 and 125 in their defensive and opponent's third, respectively. So I kind of want to ask that question, Javi. Do you think, or I guess to Oscar as well, do you think that Austin's, the key to Austin here is to get through that that pressing line in the middle uh, of the pitch, in that middle third, through precise passing? Or... Uh yeah, to to kind of bypass you know that that disruptive press that they have, or do you think that they start playing a little like Oscar pointed out, um, kind of pushing with their wingbacks a little bit to not have to deal with that? I think they do. Uh, you see, and the and I th- and this is, I think they do play with the wingbacks, and let me, and one of the reasons why is because the formation they like playing. They they they're gonna match Austin in the four three three as well. It won't be a four four two, it won't be a four two three. It's gonna be a four three three. And what we saw last game and against Minnesota when Austin played Minnesota, I feel like Minnesota made it uh like a a goal to take away the in the middle of the field for them. Um and forcing him out wide. But even then, Austin likes pushing, I feel like, from the wings. they I've pointed out in the last episode, I feel like a lot of their attack is on the left side with Dominguez. So it's going it, it's, it's, it's to be a combination of they'll, 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 play, they'll try to play through the middle. They'll take the with sporting will, if they do take it away, if they do achieve to take it away, they'll take it away and then they'll force it, you know, back to the center back and the the fullback will come down, will come down almost even with the fullback, uh, with the center back, get the pass there. Dominguez will then come short because his, his, his kind of instinct or his way of playing is he'll come short, receive the ball. Then from that point, he'll like to play to the midfielder who's right there waiting for the ball. And then there'll be that space created when Cecilio comes down to retrieve the ball that the fullback can exploit. But I think um it's it's it it's gonna be in the in Austin's favor if um if uh sporting tries to take the middle of the field away um from Austin. I think to be honest to kind of take if you wanna kind of limit Austin's, you know, attack and kind of force him to do something different than what they like to do is you Try to make them play into the middle, to be honest. Um, try to force them to play through their midfielders. Try to force them to com- make combinations with, from with, from the center mids to the strikers. Don't let them, you know, use their fullbacks. Don't let them get to their fullbacks. Always take the sideline away. Force them in the middle. Um, because I think where where we see a lot less of con- of like connecting passes or like uh like distributions in the in their possession is from the center mids to like their strikers in the mid so it's always a lot of their um like passes and where their plays being where the plays are being made are from the wings because it's 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 how they like playing they like playing with their fullbacks going up 
So a lot of their play will be outnumbering the side, the sidelines from where the fullback or the winger will, the winger and the fullback will both exploit that space and exploit that space. Mm-hmm. And the winger will probably just tuck in it a little more than the fullbacks will, and the fullbacks will overlap them. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think, yeah, I, I, I just think it'll play into Austin's favor if, if Sporting Kansas tries to do that. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe they see that, and maybe they see that uh, Alex Ring is just too much of a, or that Pochettino, or one, uh, one of those midfielders, or, or maybe they see that Dominguez likes coming short, and they don't want that connection. They don't want the the pass, the distribution to be from to Dominguez from the midfield because they're afraid of Dominguez's potential and his skill from if it's played. You know, if they split the defenders right there, and then play that ball between the line. So, um, yeah, but I mean. I just, I I guess they're, I guess they're thinking that Austin will just cross it, and mm-hmm. seeing you know Austin's success rate with crossing, you know how if any goals have come from it, um, and how the volume they put up, I just think that that's what they're betting on that they won't be able to make much from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, I think it's I I I think this is gonna be a. It's going to be a tough match for Austin. I just think because the matches they've played and the mistakes I've seen from them, you know, just giving the ball back easily. And even if they win it back and and they start, you know, they start with possession again at the midfield. um, It's just, I feel like they just haven't been clinical with this. Some of the shots and opportunities they've been given. Um, and then they also, I feel like they just have trouble being creative in that final third, you know, yeah. making the runs and, you know, trying to creating space for each other. I feel like they're not, I feel like the the the, the only time I see space being created is on that left side with uh, Dominguez and, um, and Komenich now. But I think that's just because of Dominguez's tendency to come more inside and like to get the ball on the inside. On the other side, you don't see Stroud, you know, making that kind of, you know, kind of pushing more to the inside. You see him kind of staying on the wing. And I think that's why you kind of see, you 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 don't see play go down the right side as much as you you do on the left side. Mm-hmm. You'll see it go down the right side after it being so much on the left side. And you know, it'll kind of switch it and move it to the right, but most of it will come from the left side because of just how much space there is and how much the two players, the fullback and the and Dominguez uh, complement each other. I yeah. don't think they mean to do it intentionally, but it's just that's just how it's been. Yeah, you you you're just kind of given, you know, with Dominguez's inclination to tuck in a little more inside to try to attack those half spaces. You leave that space for uh, an overlapping Kolmanek to you know take advantage of that space left open. I absolutely agree with that, Oscar. Um, quickly here, anything to add on Kansas City press and maybe. Um, how it can affect Austin's buildup in the middle of the pitch. Gonna see the same thing we saw against LAFC. Mm-hmm. Wayne don't care. <laughs> Easy money. Easy. <laughs> Try impressing. Wait, what? You. Ring is gonna like run run circles. Press, no problem. Yeah, um, yeah, that's 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 definitely a good point to make. Like how he was saying, maybe they don't do that or. Javi was saying they they do press to the middle, but you know even there is a point to be said that even if Ring can you know bypass 
bypass that press that there is this kind of lack of I, I'd say connection between the midfield and the strikers directly. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of goals that, that start out from the middle of the pitch. Um, but no, I agree. Alex Ring is a midfield maestro uh, relative to other players in the MLS. So it, it would be... Me of, uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me of me in high school. <laughs> okay, dude. So All yeah, right, dude. definitely pressing Ring in the middle doesn't seem like the best idea. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's 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 probably going to be the most interesting thing for me that game is to see how Kansas City change it up and if they don't, how Austin reacts to that and and if they can uh, go ahead and take advantage of of how good they are with their passing and how many chances they're able to create after bypassing that Kansas press. Yeah, it's um it's uh, it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be a good game to watch. Cause we're gonna yeah. learn a lot about how a- Austin absolutely will, will, how how far Austin has come from their first game, even though it's only their fourth game. But we're gonna see if they've learned um anything on how you know how they can create space for each other and learned if they can be just more disciplined and more composed. You know when it comes to you know playing that possession style of football. You know just be. I, I hope I hope to see a little more patience from uh from them from when they're playing you know when they're playing the you know when they'll be working the ball around on the opponent's side I I don't want to see so much forcing over the top I get I get you want to do it sometimes to you know to keep keep the defense on their toes make them know that you know we can we're we're watching we're watching the, your your defense and we're and we saw that you made that mistake to not track our run but you know, we that that there doesn't need they don't need to be playing. You know, try to play that hero ball all the time. Just play the simple pass. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I like the, those last like thirty minutes against Minnesota. I think were the most like relatable to what you're trying to say, and it, it's not really their starting lineup, so. Yeah, it's uh yeah, and it was yeah, it was tough to watch that because and I get and I don't know if it was who if it was the coach telling them to exploit or whether it was just they were they saw the space and and like I said, they they had they created like a couple one-on-one chances with the goalkeeper, but most of the time they were just giving the ball back to Minnesota and it's like like we we can't be you can't be doing that to yourself like you gotta you know slow the pace down shift the momentum it just seemed for like almost 35 minutes minnesota had the momentum and there was no need for that like you're you're giving them the confidence to to make them think that you know that they're that they're in this game and you know try to do do what you do what you can do what you do which is play the possession ball pass it around there's no need to you know force it so many times behind the defense and you're just giving the ball back so easily. Um, yeah, it was just, and, and, and then, and then watching, I, and they, they came away with the win, but you know, watching the amount of crosses that were just going in and I was just like, gosh, one of these is going to hit the back of the net. And then, and then it's really going to shift the momentum and then it's going to, it might, it's probably going to give them the confidence to even attack more or press more. I don't know. 
but yeah, it, it it was not a pretty pretty last third minutes, and I just hope they don't they don't play like that or think that they need to play like that again or that can they can play like that because it it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a comfortable win. Yeah. Comfortable game. Yeah. Ab- last question for mm-hmm. oh, no, no, I was gonna ahead, say go last ahead. question for y'all. Um, when when do they rest Green? Going up to game four. It looks like he's playing every single minute possible. But do you get worried at some point that they need to rest him? Even I mean, Austin doesn't necessarily have a, like a packed schedule because they're not in the Concacaf Champions League and stuff like that. But still, you don't want you don't want him getting injured midway. I I think there's games where uh uh maybe you don't have to. Uh, you can let's 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 put it like this. You can pick and choose the time. Like if you're up a couple goals against a team, you can definitely take him out and rest him for like thirty minutes here, twenty minutes here. But also, I'd argue that kind of his role at times isn't as maybe intense as other players. If that makes sense, maybe I'm off on this, but I think combined with the amount of of combined with what they're asking of him to do. And that at times you could easily take him out of a game where you do have an advantage on top of what you pointed out that they don't have a compact or a, yeah a, a compact schedule where they they're playing in midweek games. I I think you can manage it. You know, you know, pretty simple um, with ring. Yeah, I I don't. It it's it's tough for me to say because I don't know how the how player fit how the player fatigue kind of is in this you know with a team that you know doesn't have Champions League, um, you know and they're just kind of playing the one game every weekend and stuff. So I don't know if it, if it does you know if it builds on him and he needs to rest. Listen to listen to him. I mean, I mean he he's I feel like he's the kind of person that will. Um, he will let you know if he needs to rest, but then again, I mean, he is—he's the warrior in the midfield, and he's not gonna wanna—he's not gonna I, wanna I, rest. I say, I say he rests against Houston and call it a day. Thank you. Oh no, 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 that no, 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 no. For that game, he does not rest. For that game, he comes ready for war. Yeah, you gotta give him some a breather, you know. No, 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 no. For that game, he's giving the instruction to Manmark uh, Memo. The whole game. No. Take him out of the game. That that that's. He, he, I've hey, made sure he circled that game on the calendar. Hey, he he can't he can man mark memo, but hey, you forgot about Moneyball, Pastor, and Fabinho. So <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Quickly before we end the pod here, um, what is your what is your scoreline predictions for the game? Let's start with you, Javi. <sighs> I'm gonna guess two one Austin. Okay, two one Austin, Oscar. The Rio Austin. The Rio Austin. I am gonna go ahead and say that Austin defeat Sporting KC three one. I have to agree. I think they go three one. Like I said, I think for me, the most interesting thing is the battle in the midfield, um, and how Kansas deals with that press. But like you said. Ring is a midfield maestro, and that might not be a, a tall task for him at all. But we're going to go ahead and end the podcast there. 
for the listeners. If you have listened up to this point, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a crazy amount of games coming this weekend, and we can't wait to get y'all that content. I think there's a few previews going up tomorrow. We're going to have a Texas Derby one and also an Austin FC one. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Yeah, guys, where can everyone find you on social media? OJ Aguilar 16. Okay, Javi? Uh, On Twitter, Adame underscore Hav. Yep, on Twitter as well, S Prieto JR. Make sure to also follow at the Final Third Pod on Twitter and check out our website, Final Third Pod. Um, Make sure, you know, to leave a rating and uh, a review of our podcast, uh, you know, on, on all the platforms that you're able to. Uh, really helps the podcast grow. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back on hopefully Monday or Tuesday with a recap of week four. See y'all then. Let's go.